When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks to everybody for uh, tuning in, uh, hanging out with us every single week here, multiple times a week. In fact, if you're a if you're one of the subscribers and uh, and you haven't given the series a rating or review, please do take that chance or leave, just leave something in the comment box wherever you're listening from. And if you're not a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe. You've made it here somehow. However, you found this interview, uh, we put out uh, new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So uh, stay up to date with us. Uh, type in Kyle Meredith with wherever you get your favorite podcast from, and subscribe away. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest is Patrick Watson. He has just released this beautiful, gorgeous record called Waves. There is a lot of story that goes along with it, and Patrick will tell you about the conflict of the story that happened in his life versus what you actually hear on the record. It's not a direct through line, but it's absolutely connected. Leonard Cohen had a big influence on this. Not just the music, uh, Patrick's actually a part of the final Leonard Cohen record that uh, Cohen's son, Adam Cohen, is releasing. Patrick will tell us 
how listening to Leonard Cohen's words, not just in the music, but his interviews as well, lent a big hand as to how Patrick Watson put his own lyrics on this record. And he took a big page from hip-hop too, how they use words and how hip-hop artists construct a song. We'll talk about how the death of the traditional formula, the verse-chorus-verse, is sort of out the window in the mainstream. Not just in hip-hop, but even in pop, all the way up to artists like Billie Eilish. And over the years, you may have heard a lot of Patrick Watson songs in uh, various movies, television. He's also scored some. And that's sort of the other side of all of this. Visuals, film, have always been a really big influence on how Patrick makes songs. We'll discuss not only that influence, but the whole process. And throwing genre really out the window when he's making music with his band. It's an interview about a beautiful record called Waves. It's Kyle Meredith with Patrick Watson. Hello. First off, let me tell you that Waves is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, one of the best records I have heard this year, hands down. Oh, that's nice. You thank you so much. Not fired yet. This is the good news. <laughs> <It's> definitely. <laughs> I mean, it was probably the hardest record I ever had to make, so I'm pretty happy that at least it turned out. <laughs> but. Well, yeah, I know there's a lot of story that goes along with it. I, you know, I thought I'd start with, with there, there's a line in the press release, you call it the most humble of all my records. And, and let's start with that. What do you mean by that? It comes from like the way I approach the lyrics. In like, I, I mean, you have to imagine I came from an instrumental background before lyrics. I was like a, more like I studied composition. I studied much more music. And I hadn't really done the work I needed to do when I was younger on lyrics. So I, I had to do it a lot later. And so a lot of the imagery I would use in my lyrics before would be much more abstract and kind of very cinematic and just kind of like big colors. Instead of like this record, the lyrics are just really what things are with like the least amount of kind of metaphors possible in a way. So there's a kind of humility that comes with the way you deliver those lyrics that there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to breast of my voice so I, could, I couldn't do all this fancy stuff. And then the second thing, I was like working on a Lennon Cohen track. And when I just like took all the music away, the commitment level to each word was so strong that like it wasn't really important what kind of music you put on it after, to be honest. There was just the delivery was so, there was so much belief in the delivery that it, I was just really taken back by that. So I just made sure every lyric I said, I could just really own in a way that I could really deliver in that same kind of school of thought, you know? It's talked about a lot how, you know, it's it's turmoil that was happening in your in your life right now. Are these songs an immediate re- reaction to that? I mean, we're... And I guess what I'm talking the timeline because it sets it up like all this stuff was happening while you were making the record. I don't think the record's about like what happened. If you like go swim on the ocean and you get like caught in like a really bad wave, there's this moment where you have to like learn to let all your body go because if you try to swim, you're gonna drown. And there's this kind of like this kind of feeling that comes when you kind of give in to that moment. And it doesn't mean you're giving up or anything like that. You're not. It's actually not sad or bad or anything. It's just. It's just this kind of moment of like letting life do what it's going to do and just nothing you can do about it. And there's a certain peace that comes with that. And I feel like these songs are written more in that state of mind than anything else. So I don't think there's any real, I mean, there maybe one or two lyrics to the whole thing, but nothing really talks about the events. It's more just the process inside of that event that was more interesting to me. I'm not a real diary writer. It's not, it's not what I like to do. So I think that's a better way to look at the record. I mean, it, it, am I far off by saying looking more at positivity in the face? of pain it's just that like when like crazy stuff happens over and over again you start to like just roll with it in a way that like you stop trying to like make everything right because it just can't it's too late (laughs) and there's a certain really nice kind of freedom that comes with that those moments that are yeah they're really positive uh i mean you could always look at the positive from the sad song which i guess is like the classic 
way of looking at it. But I mean, to be honest, since I was a kid, I just played piano to make my body feel better when I wasn't feeling good. So it's kind of been always what I've done. Music's always been that for me anyways. You know, I, I didn't play like from 12 or 4 o'clock in the morning when I was a kid because I was feeling great. It was just a way of balancing my body and like making myself find like some sort of good place for me. So I think music's always been that. And obviously in a period like that, it will once again be that. But it doesn't. I, I definitely don't want to write something that makes people feel worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I'm not interested in being melodramatic to make people feel I don't want to write a sad song even I don't I don't even want to do that I just try to write songs to just make my body like buzz you know I I could give you like a real cerebral answer about it but really it just comes down to like making trying to make myself feel good in, in that juxtaposition you know take a song like uh, Broken so there's something in the title that kind of lends yeah. a, you know your train of thought one way but that sound I don't know like there's a there's that classic late 80s sound that I kind of get to it like the, the singer-songwriter Bruce Horn kind of thing that's going on, uh, it, which it sends me in a very different way. I mean, what was the idea there? Well, funny enough, it's probably the only song I've ever really let myself be that and go that far into the, that way of thinking. I was actually watching Tom York sing the day before I wrote that. And there was a kind of a moment when I was watching Tom York, I was like, oh, it probably feels really good to allow yourself to be, to kind of go into that kind of train of music and, th- and thought and let, just letting things be what they are. I don't think that song is being like boo-hoo, everything sucks. I mean, I think most of the lyrics are just being like, you know, we really tried everything we possibly humanly could have done to help the situation, and it wasn't going to work. And, then, yeah, and like, even though it's it's not the end of the world, or like you're you're, you're going to like say goodbye to someone, you definitely, even if it's the right thing to do, you still feel a little broken, you know, about it, even though you know it's the only way to do it, you know. And and I think it's just making peace of that. But that's not a that's not me saying old. Oh, it's the end of the world and it's really the same like you know yeah that, that, that sucks we've tried everything and this just isn't good for us you know and I, do you feel you know weird as I feel right now you know you yeah. know what I mean there's a certain kind of humility to it I mean it's nothing too too complicated in uh, that way it's it's interesting though because when I listen to that song I don't have to listen to those words I don't have to get into that story to still feel something to come out of it you know no and not yeah I'm definitely not a Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen, in a sense, like my lyrics are not, you know, like their lyrics are so much, there's so much inside the layers inside their lyrics of things you can think about and like take from a song. I mean, I'm definitely much more of a sound to your ear kind of person and musician, and maybe with a very couple exceptions of songs, but I think definitely, yeah, you can feel things like you'll feel them. It's a very visceral record. It's not hidden. You know what I mean? Yeah, was there anything that you specifically that you wanted to do with the music? So lyrics aside, you know, let's let's toss out the stories for a second. Um, just with the style of music that you were doing, the, the sounds? Well, I think funny the thing is, is that the, 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 what I try to do is to put the lyrics right up front. So it becomes a lyric problem again because <laughs> you want the words to stick. And that, that actually comes from also a lot of thinking about like hip-hop and R&B, to be honest. And the way that the, the architecture of a hip-hop or an R&B mix is that you have like this like really big low end foundation. The mids are pretty bare and the vocal and the vocal just comes like crashing out of it. It's also electronic, so everything's in a vacuum, which leaves enormous amounts of space for the vocal to be very intimate. And then it has this kind of nice top end. And I thought that that like way of like that, that kind of mix or that idea of sound makes that the vocals feel like they're talking just right to you and only to you. So I don't I don't know if it's like think I don't think about I don't ever think about styles of music. I don't 
think about genres. I don't think about anything like that. I just kind of think about, okay, well, I'm, I want to make this feeling and I want to tell this story and I will go anywhere I need to go to find it. And whether it's from my classical music or from this or that, I just couldn't care less. I just want to tell the story. So I feel like that's another thing about, I think what we do as a band, like we just don't really ever think about a genre, mm. like ever. <laughs> it never crosses our mind. You know what I mean? It's like Melody Noir is totally inspired by a South American singer called Simon Diaz. And then Turn Up the Lights is obviously more of like a Frank Ocean reference. And, you know, Here Comes the River is just very old school, like a selfish could be like a 70s song. Like, we just don't ever really think about that. Well, you um, mentioned the word in- intimacy in that, and it kind of brought to mind that artwork, you know, that front cover that looks like two people connecting in, in, in some way. Maybe they're on the verge of kissing, but it's intimate regardless. And, and that's sort of, I guess, that. how does it speak to the record? It's funny because it's, it's a bit of a reflection from my last record. Like, Love Songs for Robots, I made this kind of crazy title. And I kind of thought, like, people would have, like, taken in the metaphor more than they did and people always refer to oh it's a robot record in fact like the last record was really personal too but i was really cautious about making the imagery give that feeling of intimacy because i feel like there's a it's a really loud world right now there's like a lot going on and at some point i'd be coming home and be like i just want want to hear someone talking to me i don't want to hear a bunch of production i don't want to hear a bunch of fancy stuff like i want to hear someone talking and that doesn't mean and i don't mean that in a way of like a folk singer or this or that i, I want that sensation so, you know, even when it comes to, like, instrumental music, I look for that. And I just wanted the record to have this real intimacy that kind of made place in such a super loud world. So that was a lot of reflections I had before embarking on this record. A bit like the Talk Talk record, Spirit of Eden. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is in the middle of 80s, the 80s, you know, which is almost absurd. It's like an absurd record to come out in the, in the <laughs> 80s, you know what I mean? Knowing what the 80s are. And I was like... I feel like we need a Spirit of Eden kind of record right now because it's just so much going on, you know? There was an interview you were talking recently, too, and um, I think you were talking about the death of a traditional song. You, you'd kind of referenced Billie Eilish, you know, and how it's not the same structures. I mean, it's been gone a long time because of hip-hop, right? We just right. haven't noticed. I mean, hip-hop totally killed song form in a great way. Has that freed you up, too? Oh, yeah, it's the best. Like, I love through comp- composition. I find it a lot more fun. I mean, like, if you take, like, a, you know, I take, like, just known songs we all know, like a Kendrick's recording, like, just the structure of the verse into the bridge of the chorus. Like, you, it's like, before we just knew the chorus was coming, we knew the bridge was coming, like, you just knew everything. It's Now it's just like this, the verse might be, like, way more. Just the structure just seems more fluid and more free. Tonally, it's more free. Sometimes it's just a sound that tells you the, the chorus is coming. It's just, like, the expression is just so free, you know what I mean? And I feel like it has blown song structure right out the window like or I, I always use Frank Ocean because that's another obvious example like the chorus bridge verse thing is like I don't even, you know like why even bother thinking about that when you listen to that music it doesn't even it doesn't even work anymore really your, your songs they've always been so suited for television too and, and, the, and the scoring you've also done seems like it would kind of blend in with what you're saying that you don't have to adhere to those type of things does 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 film and, and visuals does that also influence how you write a song uh, he had huge influences on me early on in my career. Like when I started songwriting, I don't think I could write a song until I used images because it, it helped me structure something I was happy with. It's pretty rare that I actually take my influences from music. Usually I'll go, like I know there's certain Leonard Cohen interviews that inspired this record more than his music. Uh, there's all sorts of, like Here Comes a River. Originally I was like traveling to China and Beijing and I had found this, like uh, there was this guy selling old photographs like from people's albums. And uh, there was this one photograph of this, 
total streets completely drowned out that I use. I think in the beginning of Here Comes a River, where I'm kind of, I, I use that photograph to kind of paint that picture. So I'm like constantly looking all over the place for things. And it could be cinema, could be like a photo I find, could be anything, but definitely has a, everything outside of music has a large impact on my music, like a large impact. Oh, Even Lynch and Drive. Oh, yeah. But like if you listen to Drive, I mean, obviously it sounds like the last season of Twin Peaks. Like if anybody who's seen the last season of Twin Peaks is going to know that obviously when you listen to that tune, I had watched the new season. <laughs> like there's a lot of references like that, you know. You mentioned Leonard Cohen a few times now, and, and he's got, well, I say he's got, you know, his family has his final album. What exactly, what role did you have in that? Because you're, you're on the record, right? Yeah, I produced a, tra- a song. So basically I got given, I mean, it's a bit of a funny thing with Leonard Cohen because I did discover much later in my career and my ex-partner was, was editing films for him and documentaries on him. So I was constantly seeing clips of his interviews and I was like, oh, wow, that's a really, he's just blowing my mind in his interviews almost more than his songs. It's just the elegance and grace and simplicity of his interviews was just like outstanding. Yeah, then I was working with Adam, and then coincidentally, he's like, hey, we need this track for my dad, and we're just having trouble finding the right music. Do you want to try? So they gave me the vocal. They gave me the old song, the music, and it was like the like the MIDI saxophone, like the classic weird 80s background thing to it. So I just I took all the music out, and I just had his vocal alone, and that was like, he just like didn't, he almost didn't want to put anything after, because you're like, oh, I'm pretty okay with this. <laughs> and then, then we just decided to just go for it, and then we I, I tried to do something in my taste, Necessarily, you know, I mean, in, in the in the way I do things, doesn't necessarily mean that's a better way than any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely a, like a, a personal take on what I would have done with those kind of words. I, I'll wrap up here with again complimenting you on on Wave. It's just a gorgeous record, and for whatever you had to go through, and and the way you kind of filtered all that through, it's just come out beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice of you. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem, Patrick. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, enjoy Paris. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. My thanks, Patrick Watson. The brand new album is called Waves, and it's available now. And thanks to you for checking out the interview as well, making it all the way to the end here. Again, if you're not a subscriber to the series, I hope you take that moment wherever you're listening from to uh, to hit the subscribe button. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts as well as places like Spotify and YouTube. Just type in Kyle Meredith with and subscribe. And if you're already a subscriber and you can give the series a rating, a review, or just what you enjoyed in the comment box, would uh, be so grateful for that as well. And after that, head to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and even more interviews. That's WFPK. Org. Consequence of Sounds has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.